Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, maestro. Oh, you are a maestro of so many things. Mostly uh, mayhem, Josh. I'm a mayhem. maestro of mayhem. Yeah. Isn't that Tommy Lee's band? Wasn't that what they were called? No, Methods of Mayhem. Mm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> in this season of Awesome Movie Year, we've been talking about the films of 1996. And in this episode, we're talking about our foreign film uh, pick, which is the Czech film Kolia, which is a movie that uh, I had never seen. But Jason, you were like adamant that you really wanted to cover this movie. So I imagine this is sort of a, a favorite of yours in some way. Uh, it definitely was upon first viewing. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag about how I felt about it this time, but I believe I saw it in the theater upon my grandparents' recommendation. And uh, yeah, it was really, it really affected me, you know, and was just for a teenager to be affected by a foreign film like that. It doesn't always happen, you know? So I had, I had it etched in my mind up until this very day, Josh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It just definitely, I will say this seems like a movie that grandparents would recommend. I, I definitely <laughs> felt that way about this movie. That would be uh, an awesome quote for the poster. Yeah. It seems like a movie that grandparents would recommend. I, it, yeah, it definitely does. I had never seen it before. Uh, and I don't know if I had even heard of it particularly, although it did win the Oscar and the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film in 1996. So I probably was at least vaguely aware of it, but it never was a movie that I had any motivation to see. I guess my grandparents never told me about it, which was really a failure on their part. Well, we can go into your family's <laughs> failures, you know, another time. There's probably too many of them to discuss right now. But So true. Yeah, that's you know, a whole whole other podcast. <laughs> Let's not also forget, Josh, as as we both are diehard fans of the Czech Lion Awards, this in 1996 won Best Film, Best Director, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Screenplay, and Best Editing. Basically everything but, you know, no love for the lead actor who also wrote the script, so he did get love. Yeah, yeah, this is a huge, major film in the Czech Republic. Uh, still to this day, it seems like, is one of the landmark films there. It was, as you noted, uh, Zdenek Zverek, the uh, star, is also the writer, and his son, Jan Zverek, is the director, so it was a, a family affair for the Spherics. It was released in May 1996 in the Czech Republic, ultimately grossed $7.7 million worldwide. It was a worldwide sensation uh, on a budget of approximately $1 million in whatever the currency is that they use in the Czech Republic and did, you know, get a decent release here in the U.S. thanks to those awards that it received. And I was looking, I don't think I had heard of any of the other uh, movies that were nominated for the Oscar that year. So whether this was the best or not, I can't say. But again, the kind of movie that grandparents would like. Lots of grandparents in the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, you know, I think. Here's what's important, Josh. Yeah. Uh, still, like, you know, it's not just grandparents. Like, in, like you said, in the Czech Republic, this was a sensation. Like, after... I had read like after 45 weeks, this was still in the top three of the box office. I mean, sold over uh, like a million and 
0.3 tickets. You know, there's a there's a lot going on here. I maybe you just don't have a place in your heart for stories about the Velvet Revolution. I don't know, Josh, but um, I I could tell you're going to be hard on it already, and that's okay. So keep on going, baby. Yeah, well, I I think. There's certainly stuff here that you can see how this would be meaningful to a Czech audience in particular, and not only about the revolution, the Velvet Revolution, because this movie takes place in 1988, right before the the fall of communism in the Czech Republic, and it was only you know eight years earlier. It was still fresh in people's minds, uh, but also that star and writer Zdenek uh, Sverek is a beloved figure in Czech pop culture as a writer, as an actor. And obviously for us in the U.S., that's not something that particularly means anything. So I can certainly see how this would be a movie that has a lot more resonance for Czech viewers than it has for us as uh, dirty Americans. Well, yeah, but I mean, we could say that about any foreign film, you know, when we covered uh, the Romanian Renaissance film uh, four months three weeks and two days, right? Like, I mean, of course that's going to have more resonance there because they've been through it, but that doesn't mean it can't resonate here. No, no, I don't mean that. I just think it has more. And I think especially more so than the historical context, I think especially when there's a movie that features like an actor or creator who's such a big pop culture figure in another country and yet is not in the US. I mean, there's plenty of foreign films you can watch where you watch like a, a Jackie Chan movie or something and, and you can understand how big a deal he is in China because he's a pretty big deal here too. But oftentimes there's these movies where someone has the the significance of some made, you know, like Sean Connery or something in like the English speaking world, but we just don't get that. And there's, there's something that people would get out of just seeing this guy on screen because they're so familiar with him that, that we don't have. And I think that's, that can be an important factor in how people respond to movies. Yes. But I don't think Sean Connery is a good comparison because Sean Connery, basically James Bond, action star, you know, hunky leading men. Uh, this gentleman you know, was uh, Zverek was a, like you said, a pop cultural figure. He's written plays, he's written music, he's an author. You know, he's pretty much like, like you said, a national treasure because of everything he contributes to the Czech culture, not just like, oh, I'm an actor. You know. Right. Well, yeah, I was th- I was just kind of grasping at straws to think of a comparison, but I think you're absolutely right. And that just reinforces the idea that this guy has so much significance to Czech audiences. And yet we watch the movie and we don't necessarily know anything about him. I and- mean, yeah, he's he's clearly a forerunner of what Lin-Manuel Miranda will be in uh, another 10 or 15 years. Uh, that's possibly not any better a comparison <laughs> than Sean Connery, but We'll go with it. This movie was, however, it was very well reviewed in the U.S. In addition to its awards, it uh, was beloved by critics. It got two thumbs up from Siskel and Ebert. And uh, Ebert, Roger Ebert, in his review said, The outlines of this story are conventional and sentimental. Is there any doubt he will come to love the child? That's the uh, main character played by Zdenek Zverek. What makes Kolya special is the way it paints the details. Like the films of the Czech New Wave in the late 1960s, it has a cheerful, irreverent humor and an eye for the absurdities of human behavior. And I think that was something I noticed in a lot of these reviews is that plot-wise, if you describe the story, which is, you know, this curmudgeonly uh, old guy kind of softens when he has to take care of a small child, it sounds really sentimental and sappy and 
these reviewers uh, found it to be not that way. I think and, they, yeah, found it to be honest, you know. And he's not really that much of a curmudgeon. He's just a dude who's like kind of set in his ways, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. He's definitely set in his ways. And he's a bit of a curmudgeon in that he's obviously resistant to the idea of relationships and marriage and and having children. And he certainly is 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 thrust into this situation, much like, say, Adam Sandler in Big Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> now there's the comparison we were waiting for. Yeah, puzzle piece right there. But, so, but, hey, you mentioned the Czech New Wave, uh, which uh, Milos came out of, right? Milos Forman. Yes, yes. And uh, what was it? The Fireman's Ball, a movie we watched together a long time ago. I think the important point was we're not experts on that film movement, but the idea of humor shining through in all of that kind of uh, filmmaking, like you can definitely see that here as something that was influenced by that style. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I haven't seen a ton of Czech New Wave's movies, but I feel like in what I've seen, the, the humor is a lot more like surreal and absurdist as opposed to this, which maybe it's not an Adam Sandler movie, but it's definitely more sentimental and crowd-pleasing in the way it approaches humor, I think, with the child. Yeah, in general, you don't like movies with kids. I get it. That is true. Janet Maslin in the New York Times said, Kolya indulges in light comedy, when the little boy, played enchantingly by Andre Chalamon, interrupts one of Luca's seductions, or when Luca denounces the child as an expansionist and scoundrel as he bends down to tie Kolya's shoes. In the midst of such mock hostility and blossoming affection, the film seems all set to celebrate a simplistic triumph of love over hard political realities. But Kolya, in its gentle way, is too wise and worldly for that. And I don't know, I did feel like it was it was kind of simplistic in a lot of ways, but I don't think that's inaccurate. It is simplistic. But, you know, again, like you said, the Velvet Revolution was what, 88, 89, really 90, kind of where the Czech, um, you know, Czechoslovakia kind of kicked out communism and the Russians and became a democratic state. And then in like, I think, 93, the Czech Republic and Slovakia split off. So this is so fresh to them that they're probably still looking at it through um, such a current point of view that we don't we don't have that anymore. Right, that's true. I mean, and we don't have that because we're not Czech, and we also don't have that because it's not 1996, and it's not as fresh a historical event. But, but I think you're right, and I think there might be an element, too, of like this is such a major political event that any other film or any other representation of it would probably be a lot more serious and a lot more, you know, a lot fuller of social commentary. And this is a movie that has basically this light comedy surrounded by this major political event. And I can see how that might be refreshing for people who had lived through that. I think that was definitely one of the strengths is that, yes, they're talking truthfully about what's going on, but they're not hammering it. And it's not, you know, like, oh, the Russians are here and they're destroying everything. They're they're there in the background. And sometimes you see like a character like Luca's mother, uh, you know, the main gentleman's mother. Yes. That's what I'm saying. The character's name is Luca. Yes. So she clearly hates Russians. She's been through the whole hell with them of whatever the last however many years of the occupation was. And she's not having any of it, whereas Luca is a more modern kind of um, accepting figure. Right, right. I mean, I do think they don't 
they don't go too hard on the political stuff and it, it is balanced decently well. So last review I have here is from Edward Guthman in the San Francisco Chronicle who said, crusty grownups who melt under a child's spell and belatedly learn the meaning of love aren't exactly new turf for film or fiction. But Jan Svirak brings the story such a fresh eye and such genuine wonder and compassion that Kolya feels freshly minted. The film has a light, dreamlike quality, as if the characters had been kissed by unseen fate and brought together to enrich each other and feel more sharply the pulse of life. It's extraordinarily beautiful as well, with gorgeous photography by Vladimir Smutny, who builds his palette from gold, ochre, sienna, and umber. I did think it had a nice look to it. It had a very beautiful look to it. And sometimes when like Lucas telling stories, like he's a, um, he restores graves, you know, in, uh, in the cemetery. And like, he's telling, he's also a, a world-class cellist. So he's telling stories about traveling with the Philharmonic and then the camera doesn't stay on him. It just goes up into the trees and you're like, is this going to go into a flashback or what? But it's just, you're hearing his words over all this like natural beauty. And I thought that was pretty dang effective, bro. Pretty dang effective, bro. Mm. That is quite the endorsement. No, I, I I agree. I think that there are some nice moments like that. And this movie certainly makes Prague, where it takes place, uh, look beautiful. I mean, the place, the the like apartment where Luca lives and the, the top of this tower is like he's out of some kind of fairy tale or something. Right. I do think there was there's a one weird scene when when the kid, when Kolya has a fever and he's kind of delirious and and they shoot like from his perspective, like people looming over him. And it's sort of like uh, like a fever dream. And I don't know, that seemed odd to me. It didn't really seem like it fit with the rest of the movie. But but otherwise, it, it does have that that nice kind of gauzy look to it that I did. I did appreciate about it. Yeah, I can. I think that's a fair criticism because most of the time you're seeing everything through Luca's point of view. And then now you're seeing this through Colia's point of view. So I think that's fair, Josh. I'm going to give you that one. All right. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. So uh, so did you see this with your grandparents or just they recommended it to you? I mean, I must have seen it with my grandparents because I don't think I'm going into like New York City at the age of like I would go into New York City at the age of 16, but I'm probably not going to like uh, the Angelica Theater saying, let me see the newest foreign film, young man, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so, well, my grandparents, you know, were. Uh, not only in the entertainment industry, but uh, lovers of culture and film. So I'm guessing that's what happened is they saw it and said, we got to take you. And we all spent an afternoon and a lovely afternoon together watching the film and exploring New York as much like Kolya and Luca explored Prague. That is that is lovely, really. So I kind of wish I had that experience with this movie, but I didn't. You had never seen it. You didn't even know I, about it. Really. No, no. I mean, again, I think I might, maybe I was vaguely aware of it, just that like the title and maybe I thought, oh yeah, that's a, that's a foreign movie that won an Oscar. But other than that, I really didn't know anything about it. So I was coming into it entirely fresh. Right. And, and I think, um, you know, one thing uh, is it's good that we're on these foreign film episodes. We're covering many different countries. You know, we're not just sticking. We've done Korea. We've done Romania. Uh, 1989, we did Spain, and now we're doing uh, Czech Republic. So if you're if you're playing Where in the World are this awesome movie year with their foreign film episode, it's the Czech Republic this time. Thank you for that. So <laughs> we'll we'll come back in a moment and talk our general thoughts on Kolya. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1996, we're talking about our foreign film pick, Kolya, which is from the Czech Republic, and was also the pick of the uh, Oscars and the Golden Globes, both of which gave it the award for best foreign language film in 1996, and was the pick of Mr. Jason Harris, who had a lovely experience seeing this with his grandparents. And how did you feel about it returning to it all these years later? I uh, I wish my grandparents were there because I didn't like it as much this time. Yeah. Um, I didn't dislike it. I still like it, but it didn't. If I had watched it now for the first time, I'd have been like, oh, that's a nice little movie, you know. But I mean, it obviously had a lasting effect because when we were planning these seasons out, this was definitely a foreign film that I wanted us to cover, you know. So I still think, uh, yeah, I, I still like it. So I don't love it, I but I still like it. And and you, Josh? Hmm. Yeah, not great. I didn't I didn't hate it, but I, like I was saying before, it feels like the kind of movie that grandparents would recommend. It's nice. It's inoffensive, even though it deals with this major political movement. It does so in a very soft kind of uh, subdued way, which isn't bad, but is just kind of boring. The main story about the curmudgeonly ish or set in his ways older guy who gets stuck taking care of a kid and it blossoms, you know, emotions in him or whatever is cheesy and predictable. And you're right. I tend not to like movies, not just movies about kids, but I think especially movies like this, where the presence of a child is, is presented as like the thing that this person was missing in their life. Like he wasn't really living until he could, you know, share the love of a child. And what he has to learn by the end of this movie is that he needs to be a parent. You know, even though Kolya, you know, spoilers or whatever, Kolya goes back to his mother. We end the movie by seeing that Luca has decided to, uh, I guess, you know, impregnate his girlfriend or whatever. Well, maybe she already was. Maybe he just slipped one through. Who knows? Yeah, maybe Um. so. But he's he's gotten to age 55. At the beginning of this movie, we see him. And he's gotten to this point without having children, without having gotten married, and with the ability to just, like, sleep with all of these attractive younger women as much as he wants to. So he's clearly doing it on purpose. And so... And his girlfriend, uh, at least before she was pregnant, she was still married while she was having uh, relations with Luca. So, you know, he's he's a sly dog, isn't he? He is. I mean, he's a bit of a dirtbag, really, as they present him in the early part of the movie. I mean, I don't like the idea that like, oh, the thing that saves him is that he connects with this child and that opens him up or whatever. But he is kind of kind of a lech there. I mean, he gets with the the girlfriend who is is married and who eventually he stays with, I guess, and is is gonna have his child. But she's someone, he's a cellist in this little group that plays at funerals and she sings the hymns at the funeral. And he kind of like sexually harasses her before she ends up in bed with him. It's not the most, I don't know, progressive way for them to meet. Sure, um, a few things about that. Yes. Okay, so yeah, so what you're talking about is like she's singing and he grabs her butt like while she's singing, which today, Yes, uh, no good. Don't do it, bro. But we're talking about a 55-year-old Czech man in the mid-90s who they grew up at different times and the rights were different. And uh, and I'm not defending the action. I'm just saying, look, this was a different time and maybe that was acceptable behavior. I don't know. But 
what I wanted to say about that scene is like, I think that what was effective there is that they come back to that same setup and you see him again, um, you know, with his bow, with his cello cello bow. And you think he's going to like mess with her while she's singing again. But but this time it's like, you know, an hour later into the movie and Kolya's there watching and he taps Kolya with the bow and, you know, tells him to get down because he's standing in a dangerous position. So I thought that like they did a good job of like showing the growth of him and grow and uh, the growth of their relationship without beating you over the head and being too sentimental about it. Like I thought the progression of his relationship and his growth was all very natural. Yeah. I mean, at times maybe, but that scene that you referenced there was one of the things that I liked least about the movie. I felt like it was so on the nose and it was so like, in a way, it's like judgmental of the character. They, they're they presenting him in a certain way that, I yes, I obviously I just judged him by saying that he was kind of creepy. The way he treats the, the fellow uh, musician or whatever, the female musician. But the movie is saying that like, oh, now look at what he's doing. He's, you know, become this, this better person because he cares about the kid instead of cares about getting laid. And really... I don't see caring about a kid as being any better than caring about getting laid. I mean, you should go about getting laid in a respectful manner, but there's nothing wrong with wanting to do it. Yeah, but that's such a simplistic point of view, Josh. I almost feel bad that your world is so closed off at this moment. (laughs) Um, I agree with you. Yes, if you want to get laid, you should go about it in a uh, correct and proper uh, manner. Yes, we can agree there. What I'm saying is he still wants to bang out when he's watching the kid. He just now has found that he cares about other things as well, Josh. You know, it's not like he's like, "Ah, I'll just be celibate for the rest of my life. It's just he's become a more open, more sensitive human being. Yeah, I guess. I I just felt like that moment in particular was just really on the nose. Um, I think you're not wrong, though, that that the progression of the character in other ways, in other scenes does feel somewhat natural, even though it's super, super predictable. It it could have been a lot broader. It could have been a lot more heavy handed. So I didn't, I didn't hate that. I kind of didn't like, I kind of hated the kid himself, uh, Kolya. I I kind of uh, found him him annoying. And, uh, you know, if it were me, I definitely would have let uh, social services just take him away. And see, see <laughs> but it happens. was you. That's the point. This character is you, except he's a little more sexually voracious. <laughs> but he's a, <laughs> he's a stuck in his ways gentleman of middle age who has decided like uh, he's not going to change for anything. And then he, get, he basically has a sham marriage with a Russian woman. Then she runs off. She emigrates to West Germany because she's in love with someone else. So now the kid is with his grandma. She has a stroke and dies. And and Kolya is left with the person who legally he would have to be left with, the stepfather, which is Luca. And what would what do you do if at that point, you like you said, like he went through the steps to get social services to come and maybe take him to a home. But that still takes weeks to months. So what are you going to just have a begrudging relationship with the child or are you going to try to make the best of it, Josh? 
No, I would definitely have a begrudging relationship with the child, I think. But uh, obviously for the purpose of the movie, it makes sense what he does. Like I said, I mean, it is very predictable. And so I'm not necessarily saying the character does the wrong thing. The character does the right thing by the child. I would do the wrong thing is what I'm saying. But uh, I mean, it's easy to say that now because you're not you're not in the situation where you got into a scam Russian marriage while living under communist rule in the 1990s of Czechoslovakia, Josh. So, And I hope course. to never be in that situation, really. <laughs> I'm doing everything that I can to avoid a situation like that, which, uh, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, yes, it's, it's much better as like a human being to treat the child nicely and not throw him into a home where we're definitely given the impression that he might not be treated that well. Uh, the mother is super irresponsible and agreed, uh, agreed, you know, in fact, I would, one thing that I was wondering that would happen at the movie at the end of the movie, which doesn't happen is that Kolya would end up staying with the, the, with Luca because the mother is so irresponsible and just left him behind to go run off with some dude, uh, that doesn't happen. And, and I don't think the movie is trying to imply that the, that she's a bad mother per se, that she's going to mistreat Kolya. But it spends so much time showing the bond that grows between Kolya and Luca that I kind of wondered how that would go. And, and instead, what happens is that he just uh, creates a replacement Kolya. So, Josh, again, I think this is where you come off as everything's bad and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's like I thought this was one of the strengths of the movie was that kind of last few beats where. Luca takes Kolya to meet Kolya's mother and, you know, they meet up at the airport and um, Kolya doesn't want to see his mother. He's already built this bond with Luca. He calls him dad now. And that progression was natural. And Luca doesn't say, oh, you know, you need, yes, you should stay. He's, he tells him to go with his mom in a very like kind of matter of fact way. Kolya says, when are you going to visit? Luca doesn't really have an answer. And you see Luca is, left alone. So even these kind of changes in the character, they don't hit you over the head with any of that stuff. You know, we talked about Juno when she was making that um, decision to um, still give up the baby, you know, after she found out about the, that, I don't know their names, but uh, Jennifer and uh, Jason were getting, getting divorced there, you know? Um, And we have that very effective scene where Juno pulls over and starts crying. And like, that's what you would expect here. Something very big and emotional. And they give you the opposite of that, but there's just no pleasing you, buddy. No. Well, well, first of all, that was an excellent impression of me. And, uh, <laughs> but I, it's I, me, Josh, everybody. I actually, I actually agree with what you're saying. What I, what I was saying is that what I expected was that kind of heavy handed moment. And the movie doesn't do that. And Luca does what is actually the right thing, of course, which is let the kid go back with his actual mother. And it doesn't turn into like this huge scene, but they give you the sense that the kid has become attached to Luca. On the other hand, once he eventually goes to the mother, he gives her a hug and he's clearly attached to her too. That was nice also, I thought. He doesn't just hate her for no reason. Right, right. So no, I thought that as a reunion scene worked well. And that was one thing where I was kind of expecting something a little more heavy-handed, especially the way that they really like super bond. And like you were saying, Kolya starts calling him dad. And I thought there would they would 
come up with some way where he's going to help raise the kid or something like that. And obviously that's not the case. And like you said, even when the, when Kolya asks, when are you going to come visit? He doesn't have an answer and you get the impression that he may never come visit, uh, especially with all the, the political situation. So no, I thought that scene was effective that if we're going to get this kind of story, and I guess my issue is that just the structure of the story and this, this kind of character arc or whatever, I just find insincere and not convincing. But if we got that anyway, if that's what the movie is, then that scene uh, handles it pretty well. So I, I will say that. And I think Zdenek Zverek is, is a good actor that he is not overdoing it. I think the kid is a lot more uh, sappy and is, is playing things a lot more broadly. And that was maybe part of what turned me off because I just didn't I didn't like the way the kid was. I found him cloying. And I know it's terrible to, to criticize a five-year-old, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he's not five years old anymore. This was movie was 26 years ago. So guy's in his thirties now. He can take it. You know what, Josh? I think um, your writings as a five-year-old leave a lot to be desired. <laughs> So. Oh, and, and I, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And if you would uh, come across any of that stuff, my writings as a as a teenager leave a lot to be desired. We could quickly criticize all that. I mean, let's honestly. not even get into to today. Yeah, seriously, it's gotten so much worse. But no, I disagree with you again because look at what this kid's been put through, man. So somehow they had to get out of communist Russia into Czechoslovakia, right? So he's got to have a dad somewhere back in Russia. He's already had to leave his dad. He doesn't know his birthday. He doesn't even know what a birthday is. So that should tell you enough where like, they're just like, you know, just trying to survive. So they get there and now he and his mom are, you know, thrust into this new situation. And before anything can happen where he can get settled, she just leaves him. And like, he's five and there's no way he can understand that. And even as adults, we're like, what the hell woman, you know? So so now he's living with his grandma and uh, then his grandma dies basically right after that. And, um, you know, they never really tell him that she died, but he kind of knows what's going on and he misses her and wants her back. So now he's with a living with a man who he's met maybe once. They don't speak the same language for the most part. They learn to communicate with each other. And uh, man, like this kid's got it tough, bro. You know, it's not all silver spoons and peaches over here, Josh. The kid has had it tough. The kid actor annoyed me. That's what I mean. Uh, you're, you're just, you're, you're the curmudgeon, Josh. Not I that. am. I would not deny that. I am definitely a curmudgeon. And, and I knew going into this movie that this is the kind of movie that I don't like. So, yeah, and that's okay. That's okay. You know, got to try new things, buddy. Nah, you don't. Uh, but no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm all for trying new things. I'm, I'm not saying that this was a bad choice for us to talk about. And I can see how this movie would work for more people. I guess I felt like the reviews were maybe a little too generous that you can like this movie and still see how it's kind of a creaky structure and it is predictable and it gets a little sentimental at times and still come out of it saying overall that it was good. I, yeah, it, it's not, it's not a movie to strongly dislike. And I feel like I'm, I'm, making all these negative arguments just because I'm, you know, kind of responding to what you're saying. But overall, this isn't a movie like we've had on some episodes where I come out and I'm just really against it. It's fine. It's forgettable. It's not a movie that I would recommend to anyone, but I didn't hate the experience of watching it. I'll go with that. That's fine. I 
like I said, I didn't love it like the first time. The first time I really did love it. And this time I thought it was, you know, maybe we could cut 10 minutes out and it would be a little more effective. But the strengths are the humor, the performances and the way the camera works, I think, um, all are, are, you know, really, really high level things. And then also the fact that we're talking about a time and a place and it uses the environment um, without thrusting it upon you. But it it definitely plays into the story effectively. Yeah, I think so. And I didn't know going into it. I mean, like I had said before, I didn't really know anything. And then just reading the description, it's mainly about the guy having to take care of the kid. And I didn't realize it would have quite as much of a political story and that it would take place in the late eighties. I figured, oh, it's in fact, for a while at first I was watching the movie and I assumed it took place in 1996 when it was made. And I was slightly confused about what are the Russians doing? Um, and that's my fault. But, um, so I, I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised, I guess, at the political context of it and the way that it, it, it weaved that, that, into the story of the kid. And really he doesn't even end up with the kid until like 40 minutes into the movie. Right. So, right. Which you think would be like traditionally he, the kid and the kid are there within the first 15 minutes, but you're learning about him for the most part. And I think that worked, that worked really well, even though maybe it shouldn't have. Yeah. I, I think that was stronger. I liked the movie more before the kid kind of came into the picture. And I think it, it paints, paints this effective portrayal of the ridiculousness of life under the communist rule. And this is something we talked about when we talked about uh, four months, three weeks, and two days, the Romanian film, just like all the absurd bureaucratic hoops that people have to jump through or the requirements that are, are kind of arbitrary. And at one point, Luca talks about the reason that he's no longer allowed to be in the Philharmonic and to travel to Western countries to perform. And it's because he just made some joke on a form one time and some bureaucrat decided that that was like unacceptable and this, his whole life is now changed and he's stuck scrounging for these gigs and not having any money, which is what gets him in the situation in the first place because he needs money. And so he takes it to, to, to take this sham marriage. So I did like that as a portrayal. And even though he, he does come off as kind of a creepy guy, I think even more so than the scene with the singer who obviously is into him and eventually ends up being his girlfriend, uh, there's the scene on the, the fake wedding night where he's making a toast and it's kind of overly enthusiastic about the idea that he's going to just take his his fake wife uh, into the bedroom and and have his way with her and that that was a little uncomfortable there. No, I can I can understand that, but again, times were not as progressive as they are now. Can we can we agree on that? That is true. And to be fair in that scene all the other characters are horrified by what he says and they tell him like, "Hey buddy, uh cool it." So, yeah. That's fair. He's drunk. And that's part of his growth, I guess. Maybe he respects women more. Instead of just sleeping with a, a string of random young ladies, he's obviously committed to the one slightly less young lady who uh, yeah. is now going to have his baby. <laughs> who he stole from another man. Right. Who he, who yeah. he home wrecked or whatever. Right, so. right. That, that's what counts as character growth for this guy, I guess. I like. I don't know. Let's rate it, Josh. Let's, let's a, do that. Let's rate it out of uh, five pairs of indoor slippers because that's what uh, Luca... Definitely d demands call you aware when he's inside the uh, apartment there. He does. That's very important. So I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five. Like I said, down the middle, mediocre, forgettable. All right. I'm going to give it three and a half. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. I still think it's worth checking out. And uh, it's it's really nicely made. Yeah. Nice, I think, is a good word for this movie. Yeah. My grandparents loved it. They did. So let's come back then and we'll talk about the legacy of Kolya. 
Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1996, we've been talking about our foreign film pick, the Czech movie, Kolya. And uh, this is a movie that didn't necessarily have much of a legacy outside of the Czech Republic. But as we mentioned, uh, Zdenek Svirak, the writer and star of this, is a huge pop culture figure in the Czech Republic uh, and continued to be after this movie continues to be uh, to this day. And he and his son, Jan Svirak, who directed this film, uh, have worked together multiple times. Uh, Jan has continued to direct a lot of films in the Czech Republic, although nothing that has really achieved the same uh, international success as this movie. Uh, the two of them work together on Jan's most recent film, which is called Barefoot from 2017. And they actually were, were previously nominated for an Oscar in 1991 for the film they made together called The Elementary School. I haven't seen any of these movies, but I, I'm sure they're similarly nice. Have you seen any other Spherak movies, Jason? No, I haven't. Um, no. All right. <laughs> I have not. Uh, you know, the legacy is, uh, is, as you're saying, it's tough for us to put in its place, but it was such a phenomenon in the Czech Republic and utilizing events that had just happened to express something emotionally and artistically. Um, the fact that it was such a, a big hit that it lasted in the top three of the box office for almost a year there. Um, I think that um, what it does is, you know, you can showcase history in a, um, uh, an emotional way and use it artistically, as many of us are trying to do right now with this coronavirus situation, Josh. That's true. I can't wait for the movie about the curmudgeonly old guy who is stuck quarantining with a cute little five-year-old. Yeah. yeah, because <laughs> because the kid's mom died from COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, that we joke, but I absolutely could see that movie being made in like a year or two from now. Absolutely. Uh, could see I also that. I also did find it interesting. You know, we like we've talked about Rob Reiner, you know, Rob Reiner, Carl Reiner, like these kind of like legendary legacy families and this seems like that in Czechoslovakia, the, the Zverics, you know, and Zdenek is such a um, national treasure, as you said, and Jan, a super successful filmmaker. So that's that's kind of cool, I think. Yeah, it's nice that they continue to collaborate like that and uh, that the sort of father-son team. And I, I wonder if maybe, you know, there's some of the the fact that this movie was made by a father-son team and it is sort of a father-son story. I mean, obviously that's not... Uh, their family story, but the dynamic there certainly it benefits, I suppose, from being made by by that kind of family, uh, that family team. But you're right. I mean, it seems like both of these guys are a big deal in the Czech Republic, and that they've created a, a pretty strong legacy of of artistic accomplishment in their country that hasn't necessarily. This was like the one moment when it really reached beyond those borders and and, and achieved that wider audience. I was looking Andre Shalaman, who plays Kolya, acted a few a few more handful of credits until 2005, at which point he has no more IMDb credits. And I don't know what he's been doing except listening to me insult him on Awesome Movie Year. <laughs> yeah, he probably just didn't want to be savaged by you anymore. So he's like, I'm going to just call it a day here. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Uh, the other thing I would mention, I don't know if this is a legacy of this movie in particular, but it this certainly is in the grand tradition of the Oscars giving these kind of nice grandparent friendly movies, the best foreign language film 
uh, Oscar when maybe there was something more daring that could have been nominated. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I wasn't familiar really with the other nominees. There's a Patrice Leconte movie who's a French director who I like, but it's not a film that I've seen. And the other ones I haven't seen at all. I'm not sure what other foreign films came out and were eligible that year, but this doesn't seem like the most artistically daring movie that you could give an award to. That's fair, but they never do give it to the most artistically daring movie. So what's your point? So. My point is that's part of the legacy of this movie is that it fits in that it fits in that tradition of, of the kind of movies that win these Oscars. So, I mean, that to me is the only that's really the only legacy of the movie that applies to like the American film industry here. Everything else is in this realm that we're not really all that familiar. I mean, with. the daringness is like in some of the choices, like we talked about how they shoot, you know, naturally and, and focus on environment as opposed to just keeping the camera on the characters faces like they do take some risks with this style of filmmaking here. I think they're pretty minor risks. I mean, that's not, you know, it's it's not fair to knock this movie for the faults of the Academy, certainly. And but yet I, you're doing it. I'm not, I'm no, I'm not. I'm just mentioning it as part of the context of the movie. I don't think it's the movie's fault. It's not the Spherex fault that this is what the Academy does. But I do think that's something that, that applies to the legacy of this movie. All right. All right. All right. I think we we covered it. You um, we did. I've uh, I've insulted a five year old. You're the you're the Grinch, and it's not even Christmas, you know. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I really. If I can get through one of these episodes and insult a child, I feel like I've really accomplished a lot. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep that in mind. Thank you. So that's Kolya, and that's this episode of Awesome Movie Year. You can follow us on social media and. Get some more insults for your children. Yeah, I'm at Jason Harris Comedy on Facebook and Instagram. Jay Harris Comedy on Twitter. Gopherjason.com, inching closer to its relaunch every week. We're at uh, awesomemovieyear.com, awesomemovieyear on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. And Josh is at Josh Hates Children on everything. <laughs> yes. I am at joshbellhateseverything.com, which can include children. Uh, Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And you can listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen to this great podcast and follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. Dave, do you hate children? Almost as much as you, Josh. Awesome. I feel like you could have chimed in and defended me at some point, but that's okay. I, I figured you were doing a good enough job. Yeah, he oh, dug so his own hole, dude. Exactly. <laughs> So what is on our next episode, Jason? Well, next week, Josh, it's my pick. And it's so money, it doesn't even know it, baby. There's some beautiful babies and some beautiful bunnies here. It's uh, Swingers, 1996, the movie that launched John Favreau and Vince Vaughn into stardom. So tune in next time for Swingers. Thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west. <laughs> <laughs>